I'm Susie Landolfi, and welcome to Be Crazy Well. I don't know how often you think about whether or not you're breathing. I don't think we think about whether we're breathing until we're not, which is really interesting to me. By the way, welcome to Be Crazy Well. So to be really well and not be that crazy, we have to breathe. And I, and people say that to me, I'm breathing. If I wasn't breathing, I'd be dead. And I go, no, you don't understand because I didn't understand. I wasn't really breathing the way that my body and my mind deserves. Because of my childhood trauma and my anxiety and depression and all the effects of that trauma, I was a shallow breather. Not a shallow person, a shallow breather. And lack of oxygen actually causes mental illness. That's true. Lack of oxygen, not enough oxygen affects you physically, emotionally, intellectually, spiritually. And what it does is it doesn't help us think clearly, regulate our emotions, and it certainly doesn't help our body. And so one of the first things I learned as a wellness practice uh, to be less crazy and crazy well was to breathe. Not only was I not breathing deeply because I was so hypervigilant all the time, you know you do that when you're thinking or trying to hear something. Do you ever notice that you stop your breathing so you can hear better? You go, listen, and you stop breathing, which gives you a shot of adrenaline in case you have to use it uh, because of a threat. Most of the time, though, when we hold our breath, there is no threat. It's the thought that there might be a threat, even a threat to our emotional well-being. Someone's going to yell at me. Uh, my partner doesn't love me anymore. Uh, uh, the kids are going to forget their lunch. All of those little thoughts, all of those shallow breath moments literally give us more adrenaline and fuels the anxiety. So what I had to learn to do was to breathe deeply. There's all kinds of uh, breath work out there now that I'm so grateful for. And the only problem is I still think most people think it's not that important. It's not that necessary. I would rather uh, take a drag from my cigarette, my blunt, <laughs> my pot. Um, I'd rather take a pill. Um and that somehow that's going to help you more than oxygen. So considering the fact that most of us can't even live longer than three minutes about oxygen, you'd think we would know it's more important. We would understand how much it runs everything in our system. Everything. So I invite you this morning to take a deep breath. Wait a minute, that's just this morning. I would invite you to take a breath every hour on the hour, not a breath, six to eight breaths. I happen to use uh, a breath model by Dr. Andrew Vile called 478. So it was just easy to remember. And actually, we use it at Warrior Path and Boulder Crest. So that's actually where I got introduced to it. There's all kinds. There's box breathing, diaphragmatic 
breathing. I was talking to a veteran yesterday. His four-year-old daughter was playing with a friend and somehow uh, his daughter's elbow got cracked, broken. And the four-year-old, before they started to do what they needed to do, uh, because dad taught her the diaphragmatic breathing, she started to teach the nurses how it's going to help not hurt as much and that it's really good for you. And uh, I also did the same thing with my grandson when he had to get two shots in his thighs at the same time for part of his chemotherapy when he had leukemia. And I taught it to my daughter, actually, uh, even though I didn't understand at the time how important it was for me. Did you ever do that? Teach somebody something that's going to help them and yet you don't do it? Yeah, the height of hypocrisy is what I say. So anyways, I understood the idea of meditating and deep breathing. Um, and yet I forgot to do it all the time. My anxiety was so great. My know-it-allism that this is what I had to do. And if I didn't do it, you know, my life was going to fall apart was so profound and so extreme and severe that I literally forgot some of the things that I taught my daughter to help her. Thank goodness uh, I came back to this understanding and this knowing about what actually is the best drug on the planet and one of the most helpful wellness practices that, that we can use. So I bring this all up because I want to read something to you. I want to read something to you that I got to share with a combat veteran uh, this morning who's going through uh, a divorce. And he's so bright. He's so insightful. And he's so hurt right now. And I thought, you know, I'm going to share this with all of you. So take a few breaths. And this young man knows about breathing and how important it is. So he wrote me today about just needing to vent. He said, as you know, some nights are easier than others. Tonight's been a rough one for me. I just hate myself for hating her so much now, if that makes any sense. Just can't believe my, where my life is right now. And I hate it so damn much feeling so worthless and unlovable, can't help be fall back to this pattern of blaming myself for everything and feeling like I don't deserve the happiness I so badly want and that I'm searching so hard for. I just want my kids to know they are loved, that they are and always will be enough. Hate myself for being so weak right now. And he says, sorry, I just needed to vent. There was more that he wrote. Then he posted this. He found this post uh, on social media. And this is from Jillian Turex. I think it's Turicky. Some of us never learned that someone could be angry with us and still love us, that someone could need space and also be totally committed. Some of us learned that anger and space meant love was going to be taken away. And this is what I wrote back. I love your clear honesty and insightful venting. The post you attached is so true. One thing I think we all do who get involved with partners who are incapable of caring for us, we expect or want an easy untangling. Having kids with them makes it even more difficult. Not only can they not give us the caring we deserve, they punish us when we stop wanting to care for them. 
thinking both you and your um, friends are in the same scenario right now. I was boxing the other day and kept forgetting to block a punch. I just wanted to get in a punch before blocking. So it's so metaphoric for me. If you remember the Pink Panther movies, Peter Sellers used to make his assistant surprise attack him all the time, just so he remembers that others don't fight fair. He didn't take it personally. These attackers do it to anyone who dares to stop or end the unequal experienced, a lack of equal caring and support from family, friends, colleagues, and lovers. This alone time gives you the opportunity to truly be okay when you are alone, truly, not just waiting for someone. I I remember um, feeling like I'm so hypervigilant that I had to be on the attack. I used to think that people were doing things to me, and sometimes they were. I was also doing things to others. I was expecting them to give me the same I gave them. I was expecting them to care for me in a certain way. I was resentful when they didn't. And then when they fought back, they punished. If I left or I decided not to continue in the relationship, I was just so surprised when they started to punch back when they were so sad and scared that their anger turned into punishment. So I say all this because when I was boxing the other day, we had this, you know, you're going to do, you know, a, a, a certain combination of, of punches. You're going to do a jab, cross, hook. Um, but this particular combination started with a block. Just put your hand up and block. Well, I was so ready to punch back. I completely missed the block almost every time. And this amazing instructor said to me, Susie, block first. I thought, oh my gosh, there should be a book called Block First. And what I love about blocking is it's a boundary. What I love about blocking is it's not aggressive. It's defensive. It's a way to hold a boundary with someone who may or may not be able to stop punching emotionally, financially, even physically. So I was thinking so much this past week about blocking. Now, here's another way to block. If I keep going into a meeting and there's a lot of fear and sadness in that meeting where people are aggressive and trying to jockey for a position, trying to put others down in order to get the promotion, whatever it is, or to just be right, I could join in and I could start punching back. Just like I did in that, that I was so ready to punch back. I forgot to block. What's interesting for me is when I remember to block, to not take it personally, to step back, not step forward, it's so much better. 
the other person sometimes actually stops throwing punches. They actually recognize that you're blocking. They recognize that you're stepping back. Now, I'm going to tell you, there are people that are just going to keep stepping forward and you're going to have to keep blocking. If you're with a partner and you're going to be co-parenting for the rest of your life, seems to me that it would be a good idea for to remember how to block, how not to take things personally, how to be able to step back and not engage in every punch that's thrown. I've learned a lot from boxing. I've learned a lot from, I have a client who's a very wonderful boxer, young man who's just moving up the ladder of boxing greats. And we've done a lot of work together about how not to take things personally, how not to always be on the offense, especially in relationships, how to block and not necessarily punch back, how to keep blocking and to understand how important that is. You know, it's it's interesting to me, this idea of blocking, because on our social media, they actually use that word. You can block somebody on Instagram, Facebook, like you literally get to say to someone, I don't want to engage with you anymore. And if we could remember that, you know, a block, by the way, doesn't always have to be putting your guard up. It doesn't always have to mean putting your arm up. Uh, it doesn't always mean uh, having to uh, block in a way by actually leaving. What's interesting about the, the post that he put was that this idea that you could actually just not speak back, that you could just be there, allow the person to do what they're saying, and not take it in, not push it back, and not throw back. I've actually had an opportunity to practice that where I literally listen to someone as they're out of control and as they're railing against me or whatever. And because I just listened and didn't take it personally, it was the most amazing thing. They started to hear themselves. They started to hear what they were saying and hear what they were doing. They started to be able to see what they were doing. And slowly their voice got softer. They slowed down and they stopped. Talk about an invisible block. Talk about an ability, a superpower to just be able to say to that person, nothing, just to say nothing. I'll tell you, it's hard. You know, it's kind of PhD level mental health wellness practice. Um, and I just wanted to share all that with you because it's a practice I use. So the breathing first, if I know I'm going to walk into a difficult situation with a person that we are at odds with, I'm definitely going to keep breathing and breathe deeply so that I don't react on adrenaline. And the second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure I know how to block and uh, I invite you, I invite you to know that it's okay to block people. 
It's okay to put up boundaries. It's okay to step back. It's okay to not take it personally. Uh, one of the practices that I'm clearly like still wanting to do better and better is called own your shit. OIS, own your shit. I usually, if I'm punching back a lot, I may not be owning my part in this. Blocking, standing still, listening, taking a step back, that allows me to own my part so that I'm not always looking at the other person. Can you hear my dog? That's my three-legged, four-toothed dog, rescue dog from Mexico, and he's trying to protect me. He totally believes someone's here that needs to, that he needs to protect me from. Remember, three legs, four teeth. <laughs> he doesn't know how to block yet. Wolfie, it's okay. I got a whole bunch of people here. We're fine. <laughs> anyway, um, I really invite you guys to think about how you can block, uh, how you can breathe deeply. That's one of the first blocks you can do is when I'm taking that deep breath, I'm putting something good inside of me so that I can respond in a better way. All right, everybody. Uh, starting next week, I will be bringing back guests. And actually, I would like to invite you, if you'd like to come on, be crazy well and share with me your story and share some thoughts and ideas about being crazy well, I am so open. And what we'll do is we'll put in the, um, when we post this, we'll put in the email that you can uh, connect with me. I'll tell you now. And if you don't write it down, don't worry about it. We'll also put it in the post. It's Susie, S-U-Z-I-G-M-A, Susie Gima, because that's what everybody calls me now, Gima. I'm happy to have that, that title, Susie Gima at gmail.com. So please feel free to contact me and let's get some, some of you in this conversation. So important. Yeah. All right. Have a great week. And remember, always be crazy well and be your best self. That is a wonderful title. And that's the title of the theme song for Be Crazy Well. Thank you, Calvin Love. Look him up. He writes some great positive music. All right. Be crazy well. Bye, all. <laughs> Ah, yeah, take a deep breath.